Welcome to the Common Geeking Program, a book club podcast for nerd culture where each episode three of us read up on a topic, then discuss it from geeky, nerdy perspectives. This week, I'm your host, Edward Ryan, and we'll be discussing Ready Player One and the representation of virtual spaces in media. I'm joined Ooh. this week by... Uh, hi, I'm Jeff, and this week I'm going to be talking about the uh, the incredible 2003 movie, Spy Kids 3D, Game Over. And? Uh, and I am Jonavi, and you know what? I'm going to go classic with this one. I'm just going to straight up talk about The Matrix. <laughs> oh, right on. Yeah. We're going to start by summarizing... No, that's so clunky. I'm not going to say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Shade. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna have to rewrite the script. Well, it'll. I mean, my stuff is gonna change, you know. Time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we'll get started by summarizing the topic in domains, and then we'll move into more open discussion. And finally, we'll close with our rating section and determine who contributed best to today's topic. Yeah, transition. At first, when uh, at when when we were introducing ourselves, mm-hmm. and you were like, "and," so that John of you could go in, mm-hmm. my mind was like, "and what?" I said all the shit I was supposed <laughs> to say. <laughs> wow, Jeff. I and then that, I'm like, "Oh right, John of <laughs> My goodness, do I not matter anymore? <laughs> okay, not until you all give right, me part so of that bagel. Get going with this summary. Let me look at the chronograph to make sure I'm keeping us on time. Do it. Create. Sp- oh, shit. Jeff did it before I could. Or Jonavi did. I, I actually don't know. It just sounded like Jeff did it. All right. No one's going to answer. That's fine. I'll just do the thing. <clears throat> All right. So let's get going with this summary. I, so the topic I the brought for us to discuss today is the film Ready Player One. It's based off the book by Ernest Klein. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about the film because the main thing we're discussing in this episode is how uh, different media represents visually uh, virtual spaces. So uh, for those of you who are not aware, Ready Player One takes place in the future uh, where people's lives have pretty much uh, pretty much take place entirely in this virtual reality space called the oasis the far the far too near future i think yeah yeah that's i I don't know (laughs) that's like some 2001 shit right there what 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 year it's like 2045 it's like 2049 or something like that yeah (laughs) i'm Um, just like you you really okay like i don't even think that it's necessary like i don't even think it's necessarily that far of a stretch to say that that technology could exist but that like all of the architecture in all the cities oh it's 2044 but like all the architecture in the cities and everything would just be like stacks of garbage in 20 years i don't think so we'd still be using buildings so let, by that well, so point, let's talk right? about that right so one of the big things going on in the world building of it is there's huge issues with like overpopulation so they've started creating these like huge like crazy unsafe like stack you know housings um, they, I think he, he kind of goes over it very, qu- I think it's like one line in the opening monologue. Um, it, they go over it more in the book, but it, it's definitely referenced in the film, obviously visually. But, um, so in this world, people spend most of their time, they do a lot of their jobs and they spend a lot of their free time in this virtual reality space called the Oasis. 
Um, it's like a fully immersive virtual world. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that people can hook up to it. You can have, I, I think like minimum is you have a set of goggles and a pair of gloves that you interact with Which the Oasis Which is like hella with. dangerous, I just want to say. Unless there's like a <laughs> mode where you can walk forward without walking. No, but that no, scene you, when like... Well, you... Yeah, so, okay, I, we'll talk about that later. Let's... Okay. Let, let's... I want to... I want to push forward with the summary and yeah, then yeah, we'll no, discuss yeah. that stuff. Um, so, no, I, I think because when Wade plugs in with just his gloves and goggles, he's sitting in a chair. So there's clearly some kind of control in the gloves um, when you don't have other kind of pieces hooked up where you can walk, you know? Um, I don't know what that is because the, you know, the technology is clearly more advanced than current virtual reality technology. Um, so something, uh, that's the simplest form, but then they also have like these kind of like, you know, uh, rigs where you are moving around fully in the real world. And it's got like a cool conveyor belt and shit like that. Yeah, like so a, that you're not physically moving, but yeah, I mean, like you an are endless treadmill. Moving, um, yeah, well, not, a treadmill is always endless. Like a 360 degree <laughs> treadmill, um, which is a thing in in the real world. Uh, but then they also wear these like full body suits, so they can feel the stuff that happens to them. And like it's super immersive i i don't know that i'd want to feel the stuff especially because there's like fighty parts but yeah <laughs> or like you know be able to turn that shit on and off yeah yeah you know? yeah like you get the haptic sense but like you don't feel getting stabbed if you get stabbed yeah or getting hit in the crotch <laughs> i don't know how that shit works because yeah. <laughs> like his suit just like glowed but i'm like but wouldn't it have to like like really pressed no feel like I, just it's got probably like an electro stimuli or yeah. something yeah you know, um, or I like mean, a, but I think I would turn that off on the user. So, okay, actually, let's, like, let's, if I get hit in the dick, let's like, talk I about this. Don't wanna... Let's talk about this. Have you both <laughs> used the Nintendo Switch? I have. Um, a little bit. I've used it a little bit. Um, only so for about like five minutes. <laughs> I don't know, Jeff, if you've played any games that utilize this feature, but um, the Nintendo Switch has a feature they on the Joy Cons. Um, I, I can't remember what Nintendo calls it, but where it's this really like advanced like vibration that the controllers can do um, mm -hmm. to give you like a, a sort of like haptic feedback that you don't, you know, whereas other controllers, like it's like, Oh, it vibrated, but like, yeah, that's what it feels like when I use it is it just vibrates. So that, that could be like the games. So for example, there's the, um, I can't remember what the, what's the game called. There's like a, a thing that's like a bunch of mini games. Right. Um, and one of the things is you pick you up mean, the Joy-Con uh, and oh, you shake oh, you it like around. The, stuff, the shit with the cardboard boxes? Right. And no, 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 it's not that one. But you pick up the Joy-Con and you shake it around. And the the way that the, the vibration is, it feels like the Joy-Con has marbles rolling around in it. And you have to guess how many marbles are in it. And it literally feels like that. It's crazy, like how advanced it is. It's probably the same shit that they use in like the Apple Watches. Maybe like Colin, to do like Colin the heart describing it as like, like that, yeah, yeah. Well, like when he when like he gets a text or something, it like literally he said it feels like someone's like tapping him on the wrist, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah, it's just yeah. like the haptic shit from his watch. So, um, you know, stuff like that, but twenty forty four instead of right. uh, two thousand nineteen. <laughs> Can we get into the plot of Ready Player One Let's a little bit? Do it. Did you want to start us off? No. I'm All right, I'll do it. I'll start us up. <laughs> so our main character is Wade Watts. Uh, he's a poor kid in Chicago. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's in no, it's in a 
Columbus. Columbus. Ohio. Ohio. Okay, thank you very much. And so is everything else, apparently. <laughs> everything. So, yeah, we gotta give Columbus, Ohio its moment. So, um, he... Let me go. Let me go back. There's a little bit more world building to do for the plot. Yeah, yeah. So the guy who created the Oasis, one of the guys who created it, um, was a man named James Halliday, and he died. And when he died, um, he left uh, his will was this like challenge that he put into the um, Oasis, where he um, had this like riddle that needed to be solved, and uh, there were like tasks that you had to find and complete. And uh, they were basically Easter eggs in the game. And if you found and completed the tasks, um, all of them, and got there's the th- there's three keys that you have to get from completing the tasks. If you get all three keys, then you win the challenge and you become the heir to his estate. So you, you get control over the Oasis and you get a bunch of money, right? So that happened uh, some time ago in this world i think five like five years, years ago, ago something yeah. like that i remember that it takes five years to it took five years for anyone to solve the first challenge which i thought was kind of ridiculous given what the solution was yeah but so that so that's how i remember that um we can <laughs> talk about stupider in the future we can talk Apparently. about that that's something i, I have an issue with the adaptation because the first challenge in the book in the it, book well it's not that no one solved it it's that no one found it so it's like Oh, okay. So, like, they didn't even find the race. It's not a race in the book. Oh, okay. Yeah, so because that wouldn't that wouldn't go well on the page, really. Yeah, I mean, it might. I don't know. I've never read like a a racing book. <laughs> There's probably a reason for that. There's probably not a lot of racing books because they're like. Um, what they could do the is race. they could just zoom, they could zoom. just. Yeah, they could just use the letters. There's to, gotta like, be like children. to show on the page like where all the cars are. There's, so you're actually just visually seeing it. There's <laughs> gotta you, like, be do like a grade flip school Yo, like level a flip books book? about NASCAR, yeah. right? Like like mm-hmm. like yeah, NASCAR kid books. or something like that, you know? But they're picture. No, books. no, I'm talking about like chapter books. You know, when you were when they called them chapter books. I forgot they called them that. Yeah, when you were a kid, that's what they called them, and then you grew up and you realized that's just books. That's just books, yo. Not in my future. I want picture books to be the default. (laughs) That's probably why it's harder to solve these fucking challenges. I gotta, I gotta push forward with this summary uh, because Mm -hmm. we we've got a lot of good content here. But I want the listeners to not be confused. Too late. I know. (laughs) So, um, anyway, in the film, uh, Wade ends up solving the first challenge. And then there's a whole adventure where he has friends and there's villains and stuff like that. It's not super relevant to the topic I want to talk about today. Um, but they they solve all these challenge challenges and stuff in the Oasis. And most of the film takes place in the Oasis. Right? And they go in there and um, <clears throat> uh, what I want to talk about today is how uh, they kind of create that virtual space and represent it on screen. Maybe compare and contrast it with the other uh, options that people not options other topics that people brought today so um in ready player one um first of all what we see in the film is um everyone you know has like an avatar like in any kind of video game or virtual reality or not sorry virtual reality but any like video game or the sims or second life or whatever right you have an avatar that you play as um and they can change the appearance of the avatar at will um, but there is a, an element of like 
Um, they need uh, like in-game currency to do so. To like buy certain stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's uh, lots of like different like licensed characters and stuff. Like you see Tracer from Overwatch and uh, a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you see, I think, I think like a couple of street fighter characters, um, and, and a few things, the Ninja Turtles, uh, Iron Giant. So th- there's a whole bunch of stuff like that in the film. But, um, so the way that like they kind of represent the Oasis is, um, very, uh, I like, sorry, trying to put my thoughts together. The way they represent it is very, um, kind of like crowded and chaotic but in a positive way which really contrasts like the real world setting in the film which is really crowded and chaotic in a negative way like it's all these people in all these places like so there's a planet that's like a volcano planet and it's just got a bunch of volcanoes that are always erupting um and you know there's like a water slide planet and stuff like that and then there's these like hub worlds which have a whole bunch of different things going on on them you know, like there's shops and museums and movie theaters and stuff like that. So um, it's because in Ready Player One, the virtual reality stuff is so like advanced that people kind of live their lives in there. It's mm-hmm. it's like a hyper version of reality rather than being this like weird separate space. I mean, it is a weird separate yeah. space, but they have all this stuff that you would have in the real world in there. Yeah, oh, it's right. kind of like on one side of your world coin, you have this like, you know, this is approaching dystopia. And on the other side, you have like, but this is approaching utopia where no one has any like, there's not really a resource problem because everything is virtual. Exactly. Except for the ones that are designed for like game purposes. Yeah. So that's the thing, right? Yeah. Is there's an element of like gaming to the Oasis. Um, yeah. And then there's also an element of like a life simulator to it. Um, right and i think like i don't know usually i think when virtual reality stuff is represented like i i I, what i like about ready player one is that like since they in the in the canon of this right like you can just make your avatar whatever Mm -hmm. right i think it's smart that they chose to like have a bunch of people just be represented by like already well-known characters because people would do that people People would definitely do that yep. if they had the option. And not to. everyone's humans. There's fish people and mermaids and robots. You know, right? I, I, like I, even I, in games like Minecraft or something, like people buy skin to look like other characters and shit like that. You know, exactly. And it, yeah. No, I think you're right. The diversity of it and the fact that they included, you know, licensed properties and stuff, I think adds to the realism of the virtual space. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because it's like I don't know, it's it's pushing into this realm of like, oh yeah, this is definitely like a heavily commercialized thing, but society is kind of cool with that because it like suits them, you know? Yeah. So it's like, oh, everyone's part of this like big fucking walking advertisement, but like, you know. Yeah. So are we? No, kinda. and that, and that <laughs> goes to like I think a lot of the themes that are going on. Um, some mm-hmm. of them are very blatant. <laughs> But um, I think that's going to draw our summary for Ready Player One to a close. Um, We went like a minute over, but we also kind of started like a minute late. So I'm calling that Gucci, son. Next up on the docket, my friends, we are going to have Jeff and then Jonavi summarize their domains. 
uh, as they're going to relate to our topic and theme today. So, Jeffrey, why don't you get us started? Tell me about Spy Kids 3D Game Over, the movie. I added so the, the movie. I watched this movie, not all of it, because I didn't have time right before uh, recording, and I forgot how just, like, goddamn incredible this movie was <laughs> and how the, the creators give zero shits about, like, plot structure or things making sense. The entire thing is, like, basically just, like, a... I don't remember, like, how early on Spy Kids 3D was in terms of, like, when the 3D movie technology came out. But the entire movie is basically just like, a, look what we can do with 3D. Oh, it's so like, great. Like, the movie. It's, the cla- <laughs> it's like the perfect example of... Like, every, no, it really is. Of that era of 3D. It's perfect. Like... <laughs> There's fucking sections in the movie where they straight up, like, have visual cues to tell you to put on your glasses, and the uh, the glasses that they put on in the movie straight up look like the ones that they gave you in the theater, like the paper ones. Okay, no, no, So, but let's talk about that, though, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, in the film, they go into the, like, virtual reality video game, right? And to do so, they gotta mm-hmm. put on these special glasses yeah these right like, dumb you're, looking glasses. you're in the theater watching the movie and for the 3d parts they don't want you to wear the glasses the whole time because the, the whole movie is not world, 3d yeah. so there's parts in the movie where there's a complete break in the action <laughs> and like like a dude comes on screen and this flashing text it's like put on your 3d glasses kids <laughs> yeah so in the in the 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 edited version just spy kids 3 game over where you're not expected to have 3d glasses that stuff is not in there but um, there's still, like, scenes where, like, you know, uh, when they're coming out of the thing, right, like, there's, like, a big animated gesture by the actor who's, like, greeting Junie as he comes out where he, like, picks up the glasses and goes, like, take them off, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so the, uh, the, the movie, this is the third in the, the Spy Kids trilogy um, about uh, kids who are spies. The, the Cortezes, Juni and Carmen. Carmen? Is that her name? Yeah, it is Carmen indeed. Cortez. And uh, this one, unlike the other two movies, is mostly about Juni. Um, he is retired from the spy organization, the OSS, and now he's like on his own. And then oh, they like so bring great. him into the game. I know it starts like off 13. with a fucking noir style scene. <laughs> he's like 13 and he's retired from the agency. <laughs> it's great. I don't even I think he's like nine or something Um, but yeah uh, so then you know he has to go into this game this new game that he's been saving up his money to get uh, to save his sister because it's surprise the the game master uh, who is played by or the toy maker is played by Sylvester Stallone of course (laughs) is um, has like you know gotten past all his fucking you know game regulations and shit and like I don't know, just like I thought laws. the toy maker made the game. Yeah, he made the game. Well, it so that we get into that later. But how it's presented it's is that which I yeah, how it's presented is that he he is this nefarious villain who who made this game, and when kids put the goggles on, they actually can't take them off. So they're all trapped in the game. It's kind of like then Sword if Art they, Online. Yeah, it's kind of like Sword Art Online. <laughs> and then if they me. if they die in the game, they 
maybe die in real life. I don't know. It's not super addressed. I'm pretty sure the only characters die that actually game, die. Something happens. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the only characters who actually die in the game are, are uh, spoilers, the guy played by Elijah Wood. Oh my and, god, he's the best. Yeah, he's there for like five seconds. It's great. Elijah and Wood like just the walks into this character. movie and he's like, I'm level 99, don't worry about it. And then he gets fucking killed and it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so I the movie gives zero shits. Um, oh my gosh. In terms of how it handles the uh, the visuals, Tell me it's about all it. like 2003, like really, really bad CGI. I mean, good for the time, I'm sure, but like... No, and not at all. There's... Well, fair. <laughs> <laughs> but there... So like basically like Junie is just fucking like green screened onto this virtual world and like most of the characters are like wearing these wacky cyber suits and they're living in this virtual world and then the his grandpa comes in who's wearing like a a suit to help him like walk around but the suit is also cgi so basically his head is just like floating around Mm -hmm. like with the cgi suit and not always like perfectly (laughs) sometimes it just like shifts off a little bit i'm just like hey what you doing with your neck there grandpa uh um, living his best virtual life yeah he is but, like, a lot of the stuff is, like, super, um, you know, like, shit just unnecessarily pops up at you in the screen to, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, advertise the Are 3D you technology. Yet? <laughs> so how, how would you say um, they represent the world of the game? Honestly, like, I think that it, it the way that it's represented makes a lot of sense. Like, it's really bright colors and there's a lot of, like, really fantastical techie things going on. Um, it's really unpopulated because the game hasn't officially come out yet in, They're like beta in the movie. testing it, right? Yeah, so the only people in there are beta testing. Did this come out before or after Sword Art Online? Because there's, there's like a ridiculous amount of This is way before Sword Art Online. Actually, Jesus you know what? Christ. I don't know when the manga for Sword Art Online is. Let me check. So someone was like, it's hey, way before Spy the Kids 3D, Whoa, but literally wanted- everyone was in love with the main character. And then that's Sword Art Online. <laughs> Well, if that's Dude, the Sword Art Online manga came out in 2009. Ooh, that's rough. Sword Art Online, what are you doing? You're just copying Spy Kids 3D. Yeah, but I mean, the virtual reality thing, uh, like, it goes back to, like, traditions of stories about wish fulfillment. Yeah, (laughs) And then, like, dream worlds versus real life. Mm -hmm. And at least, like, in a literary or like storytelling way like people being too attached to their dreams or like a dream from which you can't wake up is like you know it's that's also a thing mm-hmm. yeah um, no it is there well, i mean there are certain conventions right like there yeah. are ways in which spy kids 3d is really similar to ready player one mm-hmm. right and like a lot of those conventions and the attitudes towards them and the overall message and even some plot points like oh having a big race thing or whatever right but yeah, then, every film that came out after spy kids 3d was copying spy kids 3d <laughs> pretty much That's yeah just a fact um, I do. But, now we are getting into some analysis. Yeah, stuff. yeah, we, we can save it. And yeah, but. and we are kind of at the end of the time for your summary, Jeffrey. So, is there Fair anything enough. you feel you missed that you want to hit real quick? Uh, no. I mean, it's like all the graphics are really video gamey. Like even you know, mm-hmm. not even for the technology of two thousand three. Right? Like everything is really blocky and kind of low res. And I do think that, like, some of that was intentional. Yeah. You know? It's very gamey. And, like, They've got power-ups and... Which they, I think is, like, honestly pretty realistic in terms of, like, 
where we'd be with 3D with uh with virtual reality is that like you know the the people in there don't really match the setting but it all is like it's still a game environment yeah yeah. but yeah i think that that's pretty much the gist of it and i think that would probably make people more comfortable right like you don't you wouldn't necessarily want seamless virtual reality unless it was like an escapism thing but if you're playing a game you'd like to know okay this is a game (laughs) i'm in a game right like people still like 8-bit as like a style. I think that that's a really intelligent point and I think it fits in with Ready Player One as well and it's a super smooth transition into the next domain. Which is the good old Matrix um, in which the virtual reality is the one we've been in all along, and real life is a and lot maybe more actually thin. are you know. Yeah, and uh, I chose it because I thought it was a good sort of counterpoint to people are not in a virtual reality because they are um, intentionally escaping from the world or entering into a game or like you know going yeah. elsewhere. It's because it's just where they've always <clears throat> been. And only a few people manage to escape and see what the less chill real world is like, where a bunch of machines are farming human bodies um, <laughs> Just a little for bit. their bioelectricity <laughs> and have created this simulated environment um, just it's- to keep them from, you know, getting too wild and crazy. And that environment just happens to match the environment of, like, the mid-90s. So, because <laughs> mm-hmm. apparently this was the peak of human civilization when they were the most doing okay before things started to go screwy and they fought with machines I mean, and the machines yeah. well, won I think and it, them. To be fair. Also, part of the implication was that it was a time period that's really easy for um, the, like, minds of the uh, of the human, you know, uh, plants yeah. to accept that that's the time yeah. period they live in. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, having now lived in the late... 2000 teens i can confirm that the 90s is certainly a more palpable time than the way we're currently (laughs) (laughs) right it's getting a little bit too real isn't it (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah so uh i think i pretty much summed up the main things about the matrix it follows neo who is uh you know kind of the the chosen person who's supposed to help liberate um, a bunch of people. Um, and he, he is to be the one to kind of like liberate the human race from the machines. God, could you imagine if Elijah Wood played Neo? That would have been amazing. Um, <laughs> on Matrix reboot. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm going to go into a little bit of tan- of a tangent here, no, but you know how they have was- like fantasy football and stuff. You should just have like fantasy movie casts for your favorite movies, and then just be like, oh, that's such "I a want, good idea. I want all Nick Cage and everything." Trying to be, you could make an app out of this. How that's such they, a good yeah. idea. Wait, how do, no, wait. How do they compete? How do you get the stats? Well, I mean, mostly it's just that you get to pick a few key scenes, and then you have to sort of you you Force get a test Nick Cage audience to act in them. Yeah, you need you need a test audience simulator is what you'd need. Like you get to pick your demographics like maybe mm-hmm. all Nick Cage everything would do really well with like preteen boys. We just don't know. It'd do well with me, like, I'll tell you that. 
Um, but anyway. It could be has, a user-voted system yeah. where where all the different casts are submitted and then and then the you populace votes on which is the best. You have entire film festivals wait, like based on this. It could be like group like a group think crowdsourced virtual reality in which you can be immersed in the movie worlds of your collective choosing and so the, the winner matrix. gets funded to to actually make a scene with this with said cast so so, so the matrix <laughs> yeah <laughs> or 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 maybe there's a quest involved and it's so ready player one so the matrix but all of these things are kind of like i think the thing that all of our topics sort of have in common is um they are sort of heroes journeys of a sort like you are mm-hmm. um you know you're you're passing through a number of trials and then in the in neo's case he um <clears throat> discovers his true potential as the ability with the ability to um, do everything. Control, do as he wants in the Matrix, um, and he's OP in that that situation, that scenario. And then for the other ones, it's like coming to a realization of um, why why you still need the real world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so yeah, um, I, I think this is really good stuff for the discussion section. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about how? Uh, and I know it's. It's just the 90s, the late mm-hmm. 90s. But tell me sure. more about how they represent the virtual world in the Matrix. Because it's yeah. not just the, the late 90s. It's yeah. the late 90s as a computer so, program. So talk to me about yeah. that a little bit. So the computer programness, uh, as depicted from the outside, is just a bunch of like green code going up and down on a screen. And with the impression that like this is what uh, the <clears throat> machines are sort of like, this is... The, the code right? for the environment yeah like the code for the environment is just like the same as any other kind of code like um and the way that you enter into the matrix is uh really quite visceral you have like various um touch points on your body that like things are sort of shoved into you <laughs> um and then you jack in the back of their head yeah you're kind of strapped down um, it do, you you do have the bonus of like being able to download kung fu and stuff into your into your brain like straight in there. <laughs> That's something um, that they can do since they're outside of the matrix. Yeah, because um, they know it's a computer program. Right? Yeah, because they have the awareness of that, and um, it's shown that Neo is like very talented at just being like accepting all of this knowledge like immediately. He doesn't mm-hmm. need to, um, like he it doesn't take him as much time, or he's just better at accepting this nature of reality uh, a little bit more than perhaps the average person is. So So let me ask you a question. Yeah. So there's one part in the, I don't know how recently you've seen the matrix. There's the one part in the film where they talk about deja vu. Indeed. Do you want to discuss that at all? Sure. So, um, deja vu is that feeling that, you know, you, you're re-experiencing something or that something just happened. Um, and that it's happening again. And for people in the Matrix, uh, that sort of occurrence is the cue for something of, of there being a glitch in the Matrix somewhere that someone's entering or exiting or like reality is being ch- sort of changed a little bit around you. And um, it's so uh, we might be in the Matrix yeah. right now. And every time you experience yeah. deja vu, it's just because there was a little glitch in the in the program. Yeah, in 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 the world of the movie, which is 
like a schmancier and cooler effects version of the classic like brain in a vat thought experiment of like (laughs) what if we're not really having these experiences dude what if we're just brains being fed the experiences which has been sort of debated on and off um through various centuries of philosophy and now we make movies about it (laughs) yeah it's like Oh shit! I can't remember who it was. Like some philosopher or some bullshit. Um, <laughs> some philosopher, some bullshit. You know? Said, no, it's it's the quote about um, I I dreamed I was a butterfly, um, and then I went to sleep and woke up as a man. Now I, I'm not sure if I'm dreaming I'm a man if I'm a butterfly dreaming I'm a man, or if I'm awake and I was dreaming I was a butterfly. You know? What I'm, I, I I'll look up the quote. Yeah, I was just going to do that. Uh, Zhuangzi. Zhuangzhou. Now I do not know whether then I... Yeah. Um, I'm going to read it. Yeah, it's... This says that it's Zhuangzi. I don't know if I'm getting the tones right, but... Uh, I'm not... This gentleman said that he once dreamed of being a butterfly, and while he was in the dream, he felt he could flutter his wings and everything was real. But that on waking up, he realized that he was his name and he was real. Then he thought and wondered which was really real. If he was his name, dreaming of being a butterfly, or if he was really a butterfly, dreaming of being his name. Yeah. So it kind of like speaks to the relationship between yourself and your identity and the sensory experiences that you're having. Um, And that's something that I think The Matrix does really well. It sort of divorces the idea of somebody's personhood and their self from how they interact with the environment when the environment is stated to be fake, even though it feels real. (laughs) And that in the world of The Matrix, it's just like everyone who's in you know, Zion, which is the, 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 the last sort of like vestige of, of humanity living outside of the clutches of the machines. Um, you know, they're, they're all about, they're all about reality. They're clinging to the reality. They want to, they want um, liberation from the sort of like civilizational playpen the machines have put everyone else in. Um, so that, that idea of like freedom and choice is very important. <laughs> Um, But in in other virtual reality sort of like narratives, um, the escape world, the virtual reality world is something that's sought after because it's like a step up or like another more immersive way for people to distance themselves from what is real. And whether you want to like distance yourself from what is real or whether you want to simply contemplate what reality is as far as how your experiences of it go... um, just digging into some dream-based and like virtual reality-based stories is kind of like a good place to start as you ponder your way through your uh matrix existence as your yeah. matrix existence and yes. that and that'll yeah. that'll bring us to the end of the summary section and we're gonna take a hop mm-hmm. skip and a jump right on over to domain land transition All right, so welcome to the discussion section. That's the section in which we have a discussion. That checks, checks out. All God right, so um, I kind of want to kick this off by just opening up the floor after the summaries. 
Um, to swallow us whole. Just to sw- just. <laughs> we're gonna everything. fall through the floor. <laughs> just fall through the floor. Um, fight it's it. It's okay. Down. We're butterflies. It's fine. Anyway, we'll uh, there's a butterfly in Spy Kids 3D. T- tell me oh, about shit. that, Jeffrey. Full oval. I actually do have things to say about that. I mean, like it's it's an interesting way that the virtual reality is. So let me actually real quick though, so so that there is a, a semblance of a of a through line for the editor. Let me finish the <laughs> sentence I was doing, and then you, yeah, you'll do that. We're very sorry. So <laughs> I want to start. I want to kick things off by just kind of opening up the floor. Um, I know there were things in the summary section that we wanted to discuss that we we're going to hold off until now. Um, I'm glad people. I'm, I'm glad you guys are are so reared up a. Uh, about the topic. So, Jeffrey, did you want to start off talking sure. about the I mean, butterflies? Yeah, talking about a butterfly doesn't make any damn sense if it wasn't with that segue. <laughs> what segue? God damn it. Deja vu. <laughs> Have we done this before? Wait a minute. How many times do we record this? Deja vu. <laughs> I think I've I been in this still. place before. <laughs> there hasn't um, been a butterfly around here in 25 years. So there's a there actually there's a scene in uh, in Spy Kids that 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 talks about some of the the upsides to the virtual reality because um, like the the advanced haptic suits in um, in Ready Player One they have a suit so that you can feel things as if they're real um, and there's a kind of confusing scene where uh, Junie is shot onto the moon and then his, his people from the outside from OSS, the spy organization uh, contact him and they're like, oh, you can like bring in a player from the real world you can bring in a person from the real world right? Uh, to come help you and then his and, and strangely he doesn't pick John Cena he doesn't pick John Cena uh, yeah, this was before the meme, so he probably <laughs> didn't know who he was um so Junie picks his grandfather because he figures that since his grandfather has has been paralyzed for years, that his arms and brain must be about <laughs> as strong as ten normal men or something I like that. I forgot about this. <laughs> Not because, just because he because he respects his, his grandfather's intelligence or anything. But well, and his his grandfather had history with the toy maker, right? Like, but he didn't know that when he brought him in. That was oh, that was I a see. bit so of a coincidence. So that was just more like a, a, a lucky convergence for Junie. Well, Correct. it's unlucky. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, yeah. So be- the logic there is because his legs don't work, that his arms and brain must be stronger. Must be strong. <laughs> <laughs> brain, maybe he is an old man. I I mean, he does have a wheelchair, so I guess there is guess some logic in his arms around. being stronger. Yeah. Um, but oh, <laughs> he's also man. an old man. It's but like he's enough about that logic. Arms. <laughs> he's not a gorilla. It's not even just that he said that that he that his brain and his arms must be stronger. Is that he gave a fucking percentage at which they must be stronger, <laughs> as if he'd done the math wow. just now. <laughs> I mean, according to my calculations, this <laughs> is an order of magnitudes. <laughs> Well, okay, so anyway, he brings his grandfather on, and I'm not, so, okay, his grandfather just materializes there, and he's like, Junie, where are we? As if the situation was not explained to him beforehand, which makes me (laughs) a little bit confused about how people are brought into the virtual world, because I thought it was with the glasses, and Junie's, like, watch or whatever that's showing, like, how much time he's been there. 
like no he's no, confused because he explains it to him. he's really confused about how he's in virtual reality right now he Maybe does get over it pretty old quick people don't know how technology works joke that well, i think he was true. hanging out at home and then suddenly he was asked to do a Mature, VR game. yeah <laughs> which is a little in bit inconsistent he probably dies in the real world if he dies like he didn't make this choice yeah um Although that being said, like Junie is wearing like a watch and it goes down like an hour. So maybe like OSS did contact him and like bring him into the game and explain very, very, very little to him before they did that. Uh, but either way, so then uh, almost immediately, I think it's revealed later that the toy maker put it there. But there was like there's like a um a, a, a legs mega legs power up a power up that they give to the grandfather so he's now he can walk again and he's wearing this like big fancy cgi suit and then a butterfly shows up on the moon uh <laughs> which like whatever it's virtual reality so butterflies can be on the moon if you want and he starts like chasing them around but it's like the whole scene is sort of like representative of, like oh the virtual reality is like giving the grandfather something because he can feel it you know because they established that you can feel things like they're real in it, when you're in the game. He can now feel his legs and, like, move around. And jump. Which I think, yeah, and, and jump around. Which they don't, like, really, you know, it's a kid's movie. So it's not like they really get into the implications of all that. But, uh, you know, it, it's definitely there as, like, a message of, like, oh, this technology has potential to actually be something real that, that exists for purpose in the world, you know? Um Yeah. Which definitely, like, I don't reminds me a lot of the stuff in Ready Player One, where it's like, it, the game basically exists by necessity, right? Like, it wasn't created as a solution to the overpopulation problem and all this like resource stuff, but, but it became like, one. It became that, yeah. right? Or, like, and really there's a like a whole argument. I guess it's more of like a band aid, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or right? We can't have that many civilizational problems if things are great here. Yeah, and it's but it's also like a thing where it's like, oh, but now society is neglecting getting rid of the real problem because of the band-aid that is like mm -hmm. such a good temporary solution to yeah, you know, yeah. like a short term yeah, it's, solution. It's like we're babysitting ourselves by putting ourselves in front of a TV, but on a very large scale. Right, which I think is like you know, it that connects to the matrix too, right? Because like there's the whole question of like, well, does it matter right like we could just go back into the matrix and and live there but at the end of the day then like well, eventually our who, who does that who, who, who does that yeah but then at the end of the day back into the yeah, matrix because the society would there. would end up crumbling because the you know eventually mm -hmm. right the robots would find a more efficient energy source I, it's been a while since i've seen the matrix like what it's just that, like, oh, is it just a on principle thing? Like, we don't want to be human batteries, or like, it's implied that that like the that's rhetoric it wouldn't used last in the forever, movie right? seems to make it seem like a principle thing. Okay. Like, we will not be slaves. Like, we have okay. to be free. Yeah. Like, see, I always like, thought it was yeah. like a oh, well, the robots, like, you know, this is not like a permanent solution, right? Well, like that they I mean, would it, end up it using kinda is though because um, if you remember in the the lore. Um, mm -hmm. the sky was scorched. Um, so like the, there's like a dense layer of, I don't know, nuclear like fallout of some made, kind. Like poisonous for people. Yeah. Um, so like there's no sun anymore. Yeah. Sure. And um, like by keeping. No, I don't mean a, I don't mean a permanent solution for the humans. I mean a permanent solution for the robots. Right. No, but what I'm saying is like, um, so like, like. 
this the I mean yeah like it's possible eventually they could find a better like um energy solution but, that's but not the world has been like ravaged so much by like the war and they have this like infinitely replenishable energy source gotcha so it's like I don't know that the film ever gets into that it's an interesting topic but in my recollection, right, like, at least the first. What's Matrix the practicality doesn't, of doesn't talk you know. about it? Yeah, yeah. it's I more mean, about like oh, you just know, the principle of them being slaves and batteries, basically. It's, yeah. it's you know now that I know I was sleeping, you know how you know how can I how can you go back? How can I go back? How can I stop being awake? Yeah, you know? and you you right. get a little bit of the, like the Plato's cave thing with that. I hate to bring it up because it's why do you hate pretty, to bring it up? I don't know. It's just like a little bit of a an abused subject. <laughs> um, that's all. <laughs> but I um but f- as far as the narrative the narrative of the movie goes because we're sort of told it from like the human perspective, there is that sort of like, you know, human bias towards the story because I'm sure the robots think that they're, you know, they're like we could have just, you know, um not given you the virtual reality at all like we could have just been like all right fine but we're gonna take you back to like the dark ages or something like that like Mm -hmm. um so it doesn't seem necessarily vindictive of the robots it's just perhaps um i thought it was to keep them like because the 90s is like the most palpable right yeah yeah yeah. because it's um because it's not hard for them to to actually get out of it once they know that they're in it, right? Well, I mean, it's hard. No, for most so like people. someone has to like. So I don't think they there has necessar- to be some impetus to it. I I don't think they necessarily get into this, but I I, I think there needs to be an outside influence for them to get out. Um, oh, okay. But I if they find out they're in it, and I, I think what the implication is is that like their body rejects the. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. I don't know, maybe they just die, you know, because yeah. of the machines they're hooked up to yeah. or something. I really don't know because we don't see it happen. Um, yeah. But no, or that, we don't... like, eventually they would be able to get out, like, with if enough people knew about it. Maybe, yeah. Um, but it's... it's On mass. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting topic. Um, another thing, so, in regards to Ready Player One, um, The that Matrix, and... Spy Kids. Spy Kids 3D, game over. Um, <laughs> so we have um, the two, so Ready Player One, uh, the Oasis, the virtual world, and then Spy Kids 3D, the game world. It's, the game is called Game Over. The game is called Game Over. Okay, the game over yeah. world. Pardon. Um, they're both video games, right, essentially. I know the Oasis is yeah. also like a you know life simulator and stuff like that, but they're, they're both video yeah. games, you know? <clears throat> Um, whereas the Matrix is very much not a video game. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a game. Um, but uh, so it's interesting. Um, It'd be a pretty sick game, though. But anyway. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was like the Matrix I mean, Reloaded on PS2. That was a pretty dope. Game. We, I mean, it is a pretty sick game, and we're experiencing it right now, Jonavi. Like, <laughs> yeah, the true. the game that is the Matrix is what we're. And I'm not. This isn't even a joke about like, oh, we're actually in the Matrix right now. Like, the game of the Matrix is just life. <laughs> like, we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jeff. Jeff, you, no. Okay, because that's the late '90s. You're right, and it's 2019. So, 
this the is like shitty the sequel, sequel of the game. That we did, have yet to fight with less... robots and destroy our planet. Well, in the Matrix, yeah, but they that's don't not do the game. That. That's they the do that outside world. of the Matrix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they also later do it inside of the anyway. <laughs> um. So what I was gonna say in Spy was, Kids 3D, um, they bring out the they bring out like the tech into the real world too. So like the toy maker ends up bringing shit in, into the, the, uh, the big monkeys and stuff, right? Yeah, big robot monkeys, and then all of their friends from the previous movies come and help them. So let's talk about the real world side of things, right? You talked about it a little in the summary. So in Ready Player One, we talked about the rigs and setups that they have. Um, in the mm-hmm. film, there's a couple of dumb things about it. So there's a scene <laughs> near the end where there's a big battle and we see a whole bunch of people right who are involved in this battle that's great in you the know? streets <laughs> but they're out like in the streets and they're running around and, and they're like doing backflips and they're shit doing parkour. As, not, it didn't even occur to me to that moment that like how yeah. physically fit everyone in this world must be for doing all of the like video game shit without consequence in the real world but they're mm-hmm. <laughs> So, but that's but the other not, thing. Like, yeah, like, maybe anything. they only physical therapy later. Like maybe they're, they're like they're in the virtual just... space, right? Like mm-hmm. they can only see what's happening in the virtual space. Yeah, but they're running around in the real world doing backflips and stuff, being the Ninja Turtles. Like, um, all, yeah, all the poor and people. And it's a little dis- have, like, it's a little disconcerting. <laughs> I'll be honest because there's traffic, there's <laughs> cars, <laughs> and it's children. Uh, not to mention that the pretty much the entire world of uh, Ready Player One exists in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> um, like, there's like five people all met each other in the Oasis, and it's like, oh, what are the odds that we all live in Columbus? And well, no, so the, is the big corporation. Well, the two um, show and Daito. They're they they're not from Columbus, Ohio. They they took a plane. Did they? I mean, I'm sure in the book that that is clearly stated. It's implied at best that show Daito and uh, and uh, what what's what's her face H, uh, yes. weren't already there. Okay, so because um, it says that they came to meet up with them, but there was no mention of like fucking yeah. you know right, travel so from other places. Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. There was no mention of travel. There also was no mention of not travel. Yeah, I mean, it's not really addressed, but I would say it's not heavily implied enough for my liking that they were from anywhere other than Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> what if there's Ready Player One, except you just play as a butterfly because that's all that's available to you? So in the so- Matrix, they created a virtual reality space called the Oasis in Columbus, right. Ohio. Yeah, and then and this is the yeah but then the the twist to that is that the world of the matrix actually is just a game that's in game over in spy kids 3d it's a yeah it's actually a mini game which is weird it's a mini it's game. really it's complex <laughs> so uh, jeff um, what i was gonna ask you is why don't you talk to me a little about some of the more gamified elements of uh spy kids 3d game over and then yeah we'll i mean compare them there's to like, some of the stuff going on in, in ready player one there's a lot of like really exaggerated like video game things like like I said earlier like everything is super uh planar right for a better word you know it's very like kind of yeah like uh more like being in a Mario Kart game than like a first yeah, person shooter well not even a Mario Kart it's more like being in a fucking like Atari game honestly really or, okay or I mean, like I haven't a, um, seen it recently but I'll believe you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of that was intentional and how much of that There's was just, There's not a like, lot of verticality budget. to the world. Yeah, um, 
but there's you know like just a lot of like video game stuff like prancing around right like there's giant targets with fucking legs on them that are just like walking around there's like frogs on pogo sticks right like there's a lot of like npc stuff that exists in the world that makes it more of just like a you know gamey thing right like the virtual girlfriend moment (laughs) yeah yeah i don't i don't remember how that ended but like she was like a glitch in the game or something she was a glitch in the program which somehow represented itself as an artificial intelligence of a nine-year-old girl i think she was like a 12 year old girl junie's not that creepy no junie's nine in the movie are you sure i'm pretty sure they're both nine you think think he's nine in the third movie i'll look it up you think junie Juni Cortez, you think he's nine in the third movie? I'm pretty sure they said that out loud. Well, when he's 12, he figures out he's in the Matrix, and then they keep resetting him. The person who said that they were nine in the movie was Gertie Giggles, who I'm pretty sure is supposed to be the same age as Juni. All right, so he might Uh, be nine in the third movie, but as I said, I'm going to keep this tone of voice (laughs) as if I was correct. I don't think the actor was nine in the third movie, but... (laughs) He didn't look nine. He looked like a preteen. I would I, I would guess preteen if I hadn't heard the number nine with my ear number holes nine. about an hour number ago. Nine. Um what age is Junie Cortez in all of the Spy Kids movies? The Wikipedia Wikipedia <laughs> Wikipedia says that Junie was pulled out of retirement to rescue his sister. Yeah, at the, the ripe yes. old age of nine. Yeah, yeah, so I'm I'm just kind of like, wow, why did he retire? Because so, oh, he's older than we are. Okay, he was born in 1992, which would make him 11 in 2003. Well, there we go, preteen. But 11 to nine is not a huge jump for actors. Well, I mean, at that so because that's right around when people start to hit like puberty, so it is kind of a huge jump. <laughs> Like it's it's a bigger jump than like eighteen to twenty two because you don't hit puberty when you're nineteen years old. It's a bigger jump than the jump from man to butterfly. What what was the impetus of this? I question? have no idea. Well, oh, the the game type <laughs> elements in it, and how how well do you yeah, think I mean, those are done? Like, I I think they're done pretty well. It's all pretty video gamey. There's giant robot battles. There's uh you know like big crazy races and shit like that everything you'd want from a video game yeah. world that was supposed to be video so, gamey okay emily osment the character who plays the Gertie character Googles, who plays was also Googles. sorry the actor who plays gary googles was also born in 1992 making her also 11 in 2003 uh so i'm just saying well i mean you know puberty is different for boys and girls but i'm pretty sure they're supposed to be the same age and she says she's nine so i rest my case yeah for what it that what it's that worth. was a re- all right i agree therefore there. i win the gold star so let's um, so let, let me um <laughs> let me check the no the video the video game elements in spy kids i i think they're done pretty well um like it there's not like as many references as something you know like uh like Ready Player One or even like, you know, Scott Pilgrim has like a shit ton of, re- not that that's a virtual yeah, yeah, reality yeah. movie, but, but like, I don't know if uh, to be. yeah, I mean, the only reference I could think of offhand is like, he 
Junie says something about like Atari at some point <laughs> as like an offhand joke. But that's oh, that's the only like reference that there is. Otherwise, it's just like it's all pretty video game e. But there's not a lot of like allusion to video game tropes or things like that, like there is in Ready Player One. You for know what sure. I mean? It's a less precise dialogue for a less precise audience. That's very insightful. Yeah. So I well um want to ask as we come to the end of this beautiful section here, um, I'm gonna ask you both the same question, but I'm gonna ask Jonathan first. So how well do you think, or, or let, let's not say how well, let's give a real qualifier. How realistically would you say the virtual space in the Matrix is represented by the film? Does it feel like um, something that could exist as a virtual, like, if, does it feel like a believable virtual space? Um, to me... Not really, just because the Matrix from a narrative perspective is not really focused on like the virtual reality aspect. It's more it's 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 more focused on its like sort of like philosophical philosophical implications than it is on like what are the real world ramifications of like spending a lot of your time living in virtual reality because its whole premise is like the real world you know isn't the real world um so i i think that if um we're talking about what depiction of virtual reality is the realist or the most accurate or sort of is engaged with um in like a thoughtful narrative way the matrix is like using um the idea of like a virtual reality in a completely different way and it's not really depicting it as the same kind of thing as like something intentional of a virtual reality that's been constructed um by people for people yeah yeah so i don't know that's what i gotta say about that I think it's a really solid answer. Jeff, same question, except replace the word Matrix with Spy Kids 3D Game Over. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I actually, like, there are elements of it that I think are not realistic, like the fucking commandeering of his grandfather's body into the virtual <laughs> world, I think is, and then, like, being able to maybe, like, do all the, like, since they don't really say anything about, like, haptic shit or, like, show how that would work, I don't, I don't think that that part is is uh i mean the concept seems like it could be realistic but the way that they like you know show it i don't think is is very realistic mm. but in terms of like maybe. yeah in terms of what the world looks yeah, so like the i think that itself. like yeah yeah i think that it's actually a pretty realistic representation of like what that you know like what a version of a game that in virtual in a virtual reality system could look like you know yeah, like, like if you compare that to like the graphics of Job Simulator, right? Like, yeah, know. like it. Yeah, like it's <laughs> it's very it's. I mean, aside from like their avatars existing in like full high res and being, being able to see them as people, like yeah. the yeah, the world around them is like I don't know. It's pretty half life or not half life. Yeah, uh, second life. That's that's like um, half life times four. Yeah, it it basically is Half Life Three. Like this is what that's we've what, been looking for. That's that's why Gabe would uh, never Half-Life announce Half Life Three because it already came out. Because it, it was already, called Spy it already Kids came out. Spy Kids Three D Game Over. <laughs> Half Life Three D Game Over. That's the title of this episode. The Matrix Three <laughs> D Game Over. 
the plot continuation from the previous Half-Life games is subtle at best, <laughs> but it's there for the really eagle-eyed uh, viewers of Spy Kids 3D Game Dreaming Over. Dreaming Butterfly Simulator 3D Game Over. Yeah. Now I mean, with smell like, The way that the world is set up where there's like different sections that have like different you know qualities to them like a racing section and like a you know on the moon there's a fucking giant robot battle arena like i think that all makes sense in terms of like a virtual reality world and i think that like you know sometimes ready player one it's it's i mean i guess it's different because it's evolved for a while but like it's pretty ridiculously uh expansive for like what the game would be when it first came out whereas um game over like it's supposed to be like release day so yeah yeah the the aspects where it's like where it seems like oh people are actually in the game is like ridiculous obviously but the um but the virtual I don't know, world just the way that the world looks well i think represent. makes sense so um yeah. i want to i'll say a brief thing and then and then turn it around on you guys and then that'll be the end of the discussion so uh for ready player one um obviously it takes place like further in the future um so that the technology you know is better well um or than the matrix um but i feel like <laughs> for that world um there are certain elements of it like we talked about at the beginning that are very realistic in its representation like the fact that you see all these um you know uh like characters from other media and stuff you know like you see master chief and and yeah. the characters from Overwatch and stuff like that, because that's because people would want to dress up as those characters if they were playing, you know. Let's be real though. Like now, I think what you'd see is about like ninety percent Uganda. You'd knuckles, see a lot then, of Uganda. Like, knuckles. Ten percent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there'd be a lot. That's the unrealistic. That's the unrealistic uh, aspect about it is that there aren't nearly enough memes being represented. Well, maybe, here's in, the thing, in though. The maybe there are, voices. and they're all just twenty forty four memes, so we don't get them. That's true. Um, That's true. But or like, yeah, all the characters that you can't identify are from yeah. games that have not come out. <laughs> exactly. Yet. Yeah. Oh man. And, so like, uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of like then Ready Player One Kingdom Hearts parallels with all of this like pop culture, mushy mushy. Well, Ready Ready yeah. Player yeah. One together. is Kingdom Hearts Four. Uh-huh. I mean, I think that that sounds too close to reality to not be true. Um, so, so I wanted to, real quick. And we all know that Kingdom Hearts 4 is actually Half-Life. Uh, yeah, obviously. So, but real quick. So how did you guys feel? <laughs> um, you gave the answers for your domains. The virtual space was represented. Same question, basically, but for Ready Player One. Um, I think that the way the virtual space was incorporated into the plot was good. Um like it was there to make a point the journey that the character went through did make a point also <laughs> just sort of about like hey don't repeat the mistakes of the past um in trying to forge this new future where okay you can have nice things if you're a realist about it um so i i think that I guess it did pretty well. And as far as how the virtual space was, was represented, I do think that it's pretty close to like what that kind of um, communal, immersive <laughs> environment might mm-hmm. be like. Um, and the fact that it dovetails with this like overpopulation issue is interesting. And I think that it sort of 
um, sort of it, it put that twist on a what I would call at this point like a classic um, like escapist narrative. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. And yeah. Jeffrey? Yeah, I mean, yeah. The only thing I'd really have to add to that is that, like, I think vis- from like speaking visually, I think that it was a little bit less varied than I might expect. Like, I think that a lot of the world was pretty dark visually overall whereas i feel like there'd be a lot more with with infinite possibilities in terms of what things looked like i think that there probably would be a lot more variety in like the atmospheres that existed whereas i i think what was shown in the movie was like eh, kind of very few things it was like a trony sort of city setting and then like the mountainous setting and then the like lava world no, setting. I, I agree the, i feel like there'd be I a feel bit like more the environments um except for the ones that specifically were like action set pieces in the film weren't as nearly as detailed as they, as they would or should have been. Um, yeah. Do you think think that 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 was like sort of, um, an intentional choice though, based on like what would people of this time and place be envisioning as their environment because their like imagination was limited due to their environment. Or do you think that that's no. not valid because there would have been enough knowledge of the way things were before to have more to sort of jump off of, or do you think it would be a limitation of the ready player one thing? Yeah. I sort of think that that like imagination is not, is not something that was like, uh, in the world of ready player one, it sort of seems like there's kind of a surplus of imagination. And then that was like, you know, everyone was escaping to this world and doing all these fantastical things. And that was part of the problem. Right. So I don't think that, I think that like them living in this virtual world for a long time would mean that there was probably more, it would probably be a little bit less gimmicky than something like spike of the 3d since like, you know, (laughs) it is a world that they pretty much live in. Yeah. Right. So like things not being visually accosting makes sense, but I I just think that there'd be like, more, more fantastical environments yeah. of like you know yeah. avatar-esque like pandora planets with all these like pretty mm-hmm. lights and shit you know like a lot of more visually mm-hmm. appealing things because they have the choice to do that you know can, so wait wait so can people make the environments because i had the impression that the environments were like so created and then people can well, choose they were created, created but yeah, i mean like game developers um mm-hmm. As far as we're told, it's like a huge world, so it's also possible that some of it is like generated. Um, but uh-huh. some, but okay. definitely a bunch of it is like created intentionally by developers. Um, yeah, I'm just so. assuming that developers would have like a, a would add a like a larger variety of different mm-hmm. places, and then that's you probably know. fair. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, or maybe yeah, and, and I, I, you know, I think the criticism is fair. We're not shown that in the film whether or not it could or does exist yeah. in the world we're not shown it we yeah. just don't know guys that was a great discussion columbus ohio is just a dark place all right well that is going to draw our thoughtful deep meaningful philosophical butterfly full virtual discussion <laughs> we it didn't really close. <laughs> You are not really listening to a podcast. No, you... Podcasts are only real in the in the matrix. <laughs> if, if if you're hearing this right now, you're in the matrix. Anyway, um, did you know that matrix means womb in Latin? Holy shit! Because they're in those like pods yeah. and they're curled up in fetal positions. That's pretty crazy. So I want to thank you both for such a lovely discussion. 
Uh, now we move on to our ratings, and we're going to begin by having each of our representatives, Jeffrey and Jonavi, rate the topic on a scale from one to five butterflies. That tracks. Okay. Checks out. Jeffrey, why uh, don't you go ahead and rate? So what I'm going to have you rate is not the film Ready Player One, but instead oh, it's Virtual on. World. I've got so many things to say. Listen, this is not a Ready Player <laughs> One episode. This is a virtual reality episode. But we already talked about how we felt about the virtual world. We just did it. All right, Jeffrey, I'm going to have you rate the film Ready Player One. Thank you. On a scale from <laughs> one to five butterflies. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun movie. I, I think I, overall I'm gonna go with three butterflies. Maybe lean on like the two point five direction. Um, the the film was not without its merit. Uh, there were there were definitely like enjoyable parts, especially if you you know like Spike Kids 3D you could just put aside like some of the cornier aspects of it. Um, but there was a lot of like sort of narrative inconvenience that I found to be either unrealistic or taking me out of it a little bit. I got pretty hardcore pissed off when the, the main girl was just like, oh, you'd be disappointed, but I look like on the real world. And then she was just like this attractive girl with a cool looking scar. Like, I don't I think it was a scar. Trope. I think it was like a birthmark. So much. Yeah, it wasn't even a scar. It was yeah. a birthmark. But it, it was cool looking. And it's like, even if it weren't, like, how fucking shallow are you? Or how shallow do you think everyone in the world is? Like, what kind of treatment have you? I don't know. That that <laughs> the whole trope of, like, people in the movies being like, I'm hideous. And, like, still looking pretty good because they want the actors to still look right. good. Is, or, pisses me off, like, pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah. So. Or, like, how oh, I'm the unattractive outsider, but really they're just brunette and everyone else is blonde. And that's yeah, just how, yeah. like, <laughs> they're still both very attractive, so. Right, so. I get yeah. it. I fucking watched Shrek the other day and it just filled my heart with hope that, you know, that that doesn't always have to be a thing because Shrek was above its fucking time, but. Uh, <laughs> Shrek is a, a great movie. So, uh, Jonavi, um, go ahead and, and give us your yeah, rating. That's how I feel. Ready Player One, one to five butterflies. Um, you know, I, I'm going to give it a solid three butterflies. Um, Ready Player One was fine. Like, there was nothing in it that I found particularly, like, insightful or surprising given the media landscape it was, like, entering. I can't say that it told me anything new or had a new point to make, um, but it was just kind of fine. Um, but I I will say that I enjoyed like reading the book when I first read the book. I think that it does a better job of kind of telling the mm -hmm. story. Um, and the only point of having it be in the movie is if you were gonna make the virtual world like even more vibrant and spectacular, which I mean, from our discussion, they. They didn't exactly do. They yeah. kind of like did okay yeah, it's, it's pretty, it. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, it was a serviceable virtual world. Yeah, no, I I I, uh, I appreciate that. I think Ready Player One is overall mm -hmm. uh, an okay film. I'd probably put it a little mm -hmm. above average, but not much higher than that. Um, if you haven't read the book, I know you have, Jonavi. I don't know if you have, Jeffrey, and I don't know if you have, dear listener. I don't. Um, but I if you know. haven't read the book, I'd recommend check that out. Um. <clears throat> It's very good. It's a good book. And if the themes and, you know, plot and stuff of Ready Player One sounded interesting, 
from what we discussed. Um, it's done very well in the book, and the movie does it okay. Um, so I really liked Halliday as a character and the way he was in the movie. I'll that was that. good. Um, the big yeah. battle at the end I thought was super cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like seeing a Gundam and Iron Giant and their version of Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, it was dope. Because they're like, here's what Mechagodzilla looks like and what we recognize him to look like. And I'm like, hmm, that's not a guy in a dumb looking suit. I've never seen this version before. <laughs> All right. So next, I will award the Gold Star Student Award to the person who I think did the, the, the mostest, bestest contributions in this episode. It's, sub- it's very subjective, honestly. But the Gold Star today is going to be the golden VR headset. Oh, and it's, it's going to be a tough one because you both did super duper good. You you did words good. We danced the good. But I'm going to have to award the golden VR goggles to Al Jefe, Jeffrey Levitt, Ayo. because I Best felt me. like there were a lot of really... Can they be the Spy they can Kids be the ones Spy now? Kids ones, yeah. I felt like there were some really strong connections <laughs> between Spy Kids 3D Game Over and... Ready Player One's virtual worlds <laughs> that I did not anticipate uh, coming into this. So, I, you know, you came with the fire, you know, and you didn't let me down. Jonathan, you also didn't let me down. I love The Matrix, one of my favorite movies. Um, you both did good. It was really hard to choose. Thank you. Do you want to give, like... I'm going to use them to, to go into Game Over and just live there. Yeah, now. go live there, hang out with Elijah Wood. <laughs> Perhaps long enough that I will forget. Yeah. I will forget that that is in fact If you not find the real like world. a girl in there who's your age and you, you know you think she's kind of cute, just just ask for her ID because she might actually be like three years younger than you thought. <laughs> and she might <laughs> she be. She also may too. be a glitch. Yeah, not not a real girl. That's meant to to. So if you're like, ah, look, a, another twenty four year old, you know, but then actually, you know, maybe she's. So like, was Elijah Wood also a computer? No, he program? was. That part's a little bit unclear. I, I think Elijah Wood was a person playing the game. But how did he get to be the guy on the poster if no one had played the game before it I came out? I think he... He was like an alpha tester no, or something? No, so I think he... Okay, so I'm, what I'm assuming is that, like, that armor that he got is, like, a super high-level, maybe unique piece of gear. And because of all mm-hmm. his skill and mastery, he was able to get it. And that's how he becomes the guy. I don't think he became the guy. I think he is the guy. I'm the guy. Anyway, that is a mystery for the Spy Kids trilogy episode of the podcast. Oh, that's fucking coming. You know it. All right. So I am. Um, Wait, 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 wait. No, there was another Spy Kids movie. It was called All the Time in the World. You know what? I think there was a glitch in the Matrix because I couldn't hear a word you said. Um, I just said that the fourth Spy Kids movie was called All the Time in the World. You know what happened again? Weird. Yeah. I think he's making a joke about not acknowledging I, the fourth Spy Kids movie. Not well, it just happened to Spike Jeff, too. I thought that the joke was about the butterfly thing. The butterfly thing. Again. Anyway, listen. Never mind. Guys, it was this deja has been, vu. Deja vu. Uh, this has been a great <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and everyone agrees. So I'm going to do the outro read now. Uh, good luck in the editing process because of how I have run through this script. That about wraps it up. Thank you for listening to the Common Geeking Program. I've been your host, Edward Ryan. You can find me uh, on Twitter at FakeEddieRyan uh, or on uh, twitch.tv slash SiegeMaximo. 
Again, I've been joined by. Uh, hi, I've been Jeff, and probably will continue to be. I'm sure someone's made that joke. Probably Austin. Um, uh, you can find me on Instagram at things I wish existed. I actually post stuff there now with sometimes regularity. Nice. I post about the art things. And I don't really exist much elsewhere, except in the Matrix, because that's where we all exist. And I am Jonavi. Um. I am on Twitter at JKIR1. I don't really tweet a lot, but I'm there. You can you can see me there if you want. Johnny's like, I don't tweet often, but when I do, it's fire. They're pretty. They're pretty good. It's Dosaki. <laughs> uh, I think that guy has better facial hair than me, but I mean, I'll take it. That's true. I will not. All right. Well, dear listener, it's been lovely having you stop by. Be sure to tune in two weeks from now, Friday, July 5th, for our next episode. And that's going to be hosted by Jonavi. Jonavi, why don't you tell them what the episode's going to be about? This is where we leave these. Yeah. Wow, that sounds really interesting. Make sure you're here for that. I know I will be. (laughs) Anyways, thank you for listening, subscribing, sharing, everything that you do for us, dear listener. And I'll see you next week. Well, I I probably won't. I I, I will not. not. But we will see you next week. No, two. It's and we'll see you next episode. This episode of the Common Geeky program was hosted by Eddie, joined by the representatives Jeff and Jonathan. This episode is sponsored by Half Life Three. That's right. I said it. It's happening. It's confirmed. And do not tell me otherwise. The podcast is created and produced by Colin Ketchen and Jeff Levitt, with this episode edited by myself, Matt Canavan, and containing original music by Colin Ketchen. We'd love for you to stay engaged with us at Geeking Program or hashtag CGP. Reviews on Apple Podcasts are also a critical help for helping grow the show, and we'll read new reviews on the air. If you want to know more about us and all our works, head to commongeekingprogram.com. Stay in touch, stay tuned, and thank you for listening to this. We'll see you next week. No, two, it says next week at the end of the thing, and that's... I okay. know it does. He all right, doesn't wait, proofread. All right, all right, it's okay. He is, right. a, he is against okay. proofreading right, as a concept. All right. He said that to me. <laughs> and we'll see you next episode. <laughs>